0: G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we're covering another punt strategy guide. We're talking punt assists. How can we do this effectively? What mistakes should we avoid? And we'll finish it off with a little mini mock drive. Let's go! Jordan, open! Not a game, we talking about practice. The crime changed with no regard for human life. He's going G'day, and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey. You could find me on Twitter or X at Ball Boys Fantasy. And uh, like we said off the top of the show, guys, we're going to go through another punt uh, strategy ranking or punt strategy video today, focusing on the punt assist strategy. Now, so far, we've already ticked off both percentages in field goal percentage and free throw percentage punting guides. So if you haven't already, please go and check those videos or podcasts out. Um, some good information in there. And I would also highly recommend checking out just our general punting guide in there as well, because we talk about sort of If you're newer to punting in fantasy basketball, that will explain all the kind of nuances uh, when it comes to that as a general strategy. But we're going to get stuck straight into the punt assist guide, which is one that I haven't done too much of myself personally in a lot of leagues, although I've given it more of a go recently and found some decent success in it. Um, And there's a few reasons why. So we'll, we'll get stuck into the advantages straight away. So the punt assist guide. Now... The reason that this strategy is super effective is for probably two main effective re- two main reasons. The first one is that early in the draft, guards kind of dominate the draft. And a lot of the best players in fantasy hoops are point guards. And kind of the second point to that, that kind of pairs nicely with that one, is that assists in particular go off the board extremely early. So it is very difficult if you don't get your assists early, that you might not be the top sort of, you know, few players in your league in assists and it can be difficult to recover in a, in a category like that. So, for example, when you go and do your drafts, a lot of people who know this fact will be reaching a little bit further and prioritizing getting assists over potentially some of the other categories which, if you are ignoring, you are then able to sort of scoop them up and um, get the most value in terms of these kinds of players. So, that is probably the biggest thing for me. I think a lot of the times we we stress about getting lots of assists and players who play make and a lot of the best players, even if they're not point guards, are sort of like the primary playmaker, primary distributor on their team. So early in draft, a lot of those players are concentrated at the top of the draft boards, and players who don't do that get a subsequent bump, or sorry, a drop in value because of that. Because a lot of us are focused on trying to get those stats. Um, The second or third point on this list here is that um, when you punt assists, you naturally find yourself, without even really trying to, you find yourself being competitive in turnovers. So, a lot of the time we talk about in head-to-head leagues not really valuing turnovers as much. I still would not value them when you're looking at um, rankings and punt rankings and things like that, but you will probably find that naturally you're going to be a better turnover team by having a team with lower assists because you avoid some of those players that have a high playmaking responsibility in their team. And so without even really trying, you've kind of traded like a one-for-one category. So you're not even really behind in any categories because a lot of the people that are going hard on the assists in that one are trading up the, the turnover category. So even though you're effectively getting more value by punting a certain category, elevating a few other guys, you're also gaining a category because a lot of the other people in your league are disregarding turnovers. So it is a way to effectively improve your turnovers without still overvaluing other uh, players who are boosted because of their low turnovers. I hope that makes sense. So we'll talk a little bit more about that when it comes to talking about like the mock draft that we're going to do at the end of the the, um, podcast today. But I still would value people with that turnover kind of punch on or at, you know, maybe half or quarter percentage in terms of a weighting, but you would naturally find yourself being better at that kind of a category. And then the last one here, I think that it's especially effective the deeper the league is because especially when you go into a deeper league, you go into that, you, you get less opportunity early in the rounds to get those elite assist guys. And there's only so many uh, players in the NBA that dominate, the playmaking responsibility in their team. And so when you have fewer chances, when the the gaps between your picks are bigger, you get fewer chances early in the draft to get those ball-dominant guards, those high-assist guards to start your team off. So if you go ahead from the beginning and just ignore that category, you can focus on a lot of those other guys who are still very elite, but don't maybe have that assist-generating capability. And find yourself in a really strong position in a lot of other categories. So I find that, especially in deeper drafts, you know, 16, 18, 20-team, 30-team league especially, if you punt that assist category, I find it's even more of an effective strategy in those kind of leagues, um, just from personal experience, just because you're going to have fewer opportunities to get those... um, point guards into your team. And uh, especially in deeper leagues, the center position is also a bit thinner. So if you can get those guys a little bit earlier because you're valuing some of those other categories a bit more highly, um, you'll be in a better position than a lot of other teams. All right, let's move on to maybe some disadvantages. Why you potentially wouldn't look at punting assists. It is quite a challenging punt, I think, in um, a lot of ways. But how much... We talked about the the, the boost in turnovers how much is that actually worth? I mean, a lot of the times we talk about turnovers not being as important of a category as some of those other ones. I still believe in that because um, a lot of the best players in the NBA just turn the ball over naturally. Um, so you'll often find that the worst players have high, or sorry, good turnover value, meaning they have low turnovers. So, But that doesn't make them good players in a fantasy sense. It is something that it is a category. It's the ninth category in a lot of situations. So we shouldn't disregard it completely in my opinion, but I definitely think it shouldn't be valued equally to the other categories. So when that is our natural sort of improvement um, compared to when in the previous videos, for example, we talked about punting uh, field goal percentage, naturally your free throw percentage goes up. Punting free throw percentage, naturally your field goal percentage goes up. The boost in those categories probably is worth more in my opinion, than the boost in turnovers because it just makes more sense in terms of um, the player's value. Also, if you've got injuries or if another team, sorry, has injuries, they might beat you in turnovers simply by not having as many players playing. Um, Whereas, you know, in in another scenario where you're boosting your field goal percentage, where you're punting uh, free throw percentage, you're, you're insulating yourself and that gives you more of an opportunity to get guys later that maybe have poorer... Um, field goal percentage, which opens up more doors. Punting the turnovers doesn't really do that, in my opinion. So um, that's probably a little minor disadvantage there. Um, It's probably got a lower boost compared to the percentages. Now, the field goal and free throw percentage are definitely by far the biggest swings in value because of the ability for players to contribute negative field goals and negative free throws, whereas all these other counting stats just don't have that ability. You can only average as low as zero, you can't average negative assists, and for that reason you often find that the Z score on these ones, on average, is fewer than those in the field goal percentage and free throw percentage. However... There is quite a bit of a difference still between the top guys and the guys who are averaging very poorly, namely like the the number one point guards and then sort of your centers that don't do a lot of playmaking. So we can still get a fairly decent rise in value compared to something like uh, rebounds or uh, threes, for example. The, the value still is probably... More than those categories, but just fewer than the percentages. Um, those percentages are probably the biggest swings in value out of all the categories. And then the last one here is that, and a bit of a, a pitfall, and we'll talk about some mistakes that people make la- later, but a bit of a pitfall when you're punting the assist category is that often we will do that after drafting some of those big guys in the first round, but those big guys they still average a good amount of assists. So if we talk about like a Joel Embiid, for example, Embiid is still someone as a center who puts up four assists per game. And that's pretty solid. And if you get a good point guard with high assists on the way back around, you're very capable of recovering that category. So sometimes people will look at a, a player, a center in the early rounds and, and just instantly think that, okay, that's going to be his worst category. I'm going to punt that. But... When you compare those early centers to the positional average of assists, they're actually pretty good. Um, very good, in fact. Especially someone like a Jokic, of course. But always keep in mind, I guess, the positional average of certain stats versus um, just the straight up average. So when you can get so, three to four assists from a center, that's, that's really valuable compared to three to four assists from a point guard because you could otherwise have another point guard in there that could give you seven or eight assists. Whereas as a center, there's not really many other guys you can fill that position with that will do that much better in that category. So I do think that that is worth keeping in mind, especially when we're valuing players in the early parts of the draft, because you have the ability to recover those kind of stats later in the draft with players from different positions. So um, that's just a pitfall that I think a few people run into when... Um, going into a draft thinking, okay, I'm going to get a, a big man first and that means I'm punting assists. I don't necessarily think that that's, you know, the best way to go about it in a lot of scenarios. So the next thing here we'll talk about here is, um, well, how many players of the top 25 players of last year actually had assists as their worst category, excluding turnovers? So if I go over to this list here, you'll see there's actually only one player that had assists as their worst contributing category in the previous season, and that was Jaron Jackson Jr. He was the only one and had an assist value, if I can find him. Um, He had an assist value of... Basketball Monster, you're all stuffed up for me. Hold on. He put up uh, one assist, one point zero assists per uh, per game. So, in terms of his value of all his categories outside of turnovers, that was the only category where he was a negative. In there was another player in uh, Miles Turner who was very close to that being his worst category. His steal, um, his steal value was slightly less. Uh, impactful than his assist, but you could also lump him into the same kind of uh, position. So two guys who contribute a lot of blocks, but also do a few other things in terms of hit threes, have decent free throw percentage, uh, decent field goal percentage, decent points. These guys were the guys that benefit the most early on in the draft. So if you grab one of those guys in the early rounds, that would be a good indicator that you might lean into that bit of a punt assist build because they are really not helping you in that category, but helping you a lot in other categories. So it might be a little more difficult to fight to get back to being competitive in assists. So of the top 25, really those two players were the biggest guys that stand out. But that also just highlights to me that the volume of players that get assists early in draft is extremely high, which kind of makes this... Punt strategy even more viable in my opinion. There's only two players that had a uh, negative um, sort of rating in assists inside the top 25. There's a few guys a little bit later, but on the whole, in the top 50, top 60, there's really not that many players uh, in, according to last year's stats where assists was an actual negative contribution for them. So it is quite abundant early in in drafts, but it gets very difficult to get and catch up that later in drafts where you'll really capitalize on a lot of value in uh, this strategy. If we move over now to the top 10 players that will benefit the most when it comes to punting assists, you'll notice something very clearly here. Number one, Jaron Jackson Jr. Two, Brooke Lopez. Three, Clint Capella. Four, Miles Turner. Five, Mitch Robinson. Six, Walker Kessler. Seven, Mark Williams. Eight, Anthony Davis. Nine, Larry Markadon. And 10, Chris Boucher. What do we notice about this list here is that they are all big guys. They are all centers. So, the trap that we will fall into when we turn on that punt assist um, build in in our basketball monster or or whatever we're using, um, you will notice that a lot of the guys who are guards get dropped down. A lot of the big guys shoot right up the rankings, but that can definitely lead us into the trap of drafting too many bigs and not enough guards and wings to fill out our roster and make sure that we are a balanced team. So remember that we've talked about this a few times in the field goal percentage and the free throw percentage punts. We want to still be competitive in a lot of categories. We want to still give us room and insulation to not necessarily go hard at just five categories. We probably want to lean more towards getting strong in six or seven and if we only draft a bunch of big guys in the early rounds, we're going to struggle to do that because we're going to be really strong in rebounds and blocks and field goal percentage. Um, you know, but we're going to struggle in a lot of times points, a lot of the times uh, threes, a lot of times steals. Our free throw percentage might be a bit shaky as well. So keep that in mind when we're constructing a balanced team. We don't necessarily want to go straight towards those guys who are the biggest rankings in that punt category but we want guys who have the biggest ranking compared to other players in their position. Because if we don't get a guy early on, maybe we can get someone a bit later that can do, maybe not quite as much, not quite as good of a contribution, but maybe something similar. Whereas if we go for a guard that's still really valuable in that build, and then the next guy is way down the board, then it's probably better for us to get that guard, lock that away, and then fill those other positions a little bit later. Okay, Um, again, we're going to go through that when we go on to our mock draft, which I think will provide some good insights for that one. All right, let's talk about those common mistakes. We sort of touched on some of them as well already. The first one is not enough point guard depth. Point guards do a lot. They don't just provide assists, they score a lot. A lot of the best players in the NBA are point guards. They score a lot of points, they hit a lot of threes, they get a lot of steals as well. Their free throw percentage for the most part is usually pretty decent. So we need those things when it comes to filling out our our roster. We need those things when it fee- you know just in terms of having the depth there, making sure that you have enough players simply to get into that position and and rotate them through, but also they they provide other things outside of assists. So, you still need to get your point guards. You still need to get those guys despite you not caring about assists. Um, the other thing here is accidentally punting too many categories. So, this kind of falls in line with this, the first point where if we're drafting a lot of big guys, we might find ourselves accidentally punting steals or punting threes or punting points without really intending to going into the draft. So, I'm okay if that's like your game plan and you're you're conscious of that and you're making that decision, but just make sure that if you are doing this, that you are aware of that being an option and not just kind of accidentally falling into that uh, when it comes to the end of your draft. You kind of look back and go, oh shit, I didn't get anywhere near enough points. Uh, I didn't get anywhere near enough threes and you've tried to at points, but it hasn't quite really worked out. Those are the drafts that really kind of backfire a little bit when you're trying to get this value and punting a certain category. And uh, the last point here is is simply when you avoid point guards because of the fact that they provide assists. Remember, we're not trying to be the worst assist team in the NBA. We're simply not regarding, we're disregarding that category. So we're looking at, okay, on the board, who can provide me in anything outside of assists? What can someone do for me in that situation? And then from there, that's where we're going to value our players. You're not necessarily just thinking about, am I trying to be the worst team in assists? And I'm going to get all the players on my team that average less than one and a half assists per game because, um, again, back to the first point, you're going to end up with a lot of senders on your team. All right, so let's go through a bit of a um, a mock draft here. I'm going to pull up the Basketball Monster website and we're going to have a little play around with what a potential punt assist um, will look like here. Oops, hold on. Let me just get that one back up there. Okay, so here we are over at Basketball Monster. Now, let's bring up the punt categories uh, option here. Now, remember when we said we're going to punt the assist, but I also probably don't want to leave the turnovers at 100%. So what I'm going to do in this one here is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give that a um, 0.5 weighting on that one there just to make sure that we're not overvaluing players who are simply getting um, high because of a high turnover rating. In fact, actually, we're going to make that 0.25 because we're probably naturally going to get a decent uh, turnover rate. So we want to make sure that we're not, again, overvaluing that percentage or that category. So when we look at this one here, we naturally sort of see some of those guys that are bigger... Jump up the board. So Joel Embiid, he is the number one player in this kind of a build. He still, like we said, averages 4.2 assists as a center. That is pretty good. Um, Anthony Davis moves up. He he averaged 2.6 assists. You still have Kevin Durant and Shea. You know, so Shea gives Alexander, point guard, but still really valuable in this build as of last year. He gives you a steal, steals, he gives you blocks, great percentages, great points. Um, you know, the rebounds are okay. So he's still actually someone that you could definitely do this strategy with if you drafted him. He could be a very good point guard for you, um, as is Steph Curry. So in this situation, when we're going to go through our mock draft, we're actually going to do a mock draft based on drafting Steph Curry in the first round. Now, a lot of the times you would look at Steph Curry and see, okay, he's averaged 6.3 assists. He's a point guard. Why would I punt assists with a player like this? But I actually think that he is one of the better players to begin a punt assist um, team with because of his elite um, threes, his elite scoring. The field goal percentage from a guard is really nice. The elite free throw percentage on decent volume is really good. Um, He actually gets, you know, six rebounds per game for a guard. That's not too bad at all. Um, I, I think he's actually one of the better guys to start a punt assist build because you're locking away that point guard position early in someone that's going to contribute a lot in other categories. And you might be able to find that in this second round, you can get someone like a Jaron Jackson Jr. So if he is there, he would be your optimal player to get. Because like we said, he is probably the biggest beneficiary inside the top 25 with only those one assist. But he gives me really strong blocks, which covers up one of Steph Curry's weaknesses. Uh, both of them together, we're looking really strong in free throw percentage and field goal percentage. Um, you know the threes are really, really nice. Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he will step up again in points this this year. So you're still probably between the two, averaging about 25 points per game. So that's really solid. Um, so I think that that's a really, really nice pairing. But if you aren't able to get a player like that, you don't necessarily need to again reach for these other big guys. So. You know, you might be able to get a Kristaps Pazingas later or a Miles Turner a bit later. So instead of reaching for these guys in the second round, because they're the next guys on the list, maybe we should look at some other players. So some other players, guard-wise, might be someone like an Anthony Edwards, someone like a Donovan Mitchell. So Donovan Mitchell is right here as another guard. He's still in this build, is the 13th ranked player based on last year. Again, excellent points, excellent threes, great steals, which also Steph Curry wasn't quite doing. Decent field goal percentage. So again, another player I can slot into my guard position. I feel really good about my scoring at that point. I've got two point guards. Between them, I'm averaging about five assists per game, which is okay. But in terms of me drafting two point guards back to back, it's actually not that decent. Um, You know, the combination of Donovan Mitchell and Steph Curry is equal to one Trey Young um, or one Tyrese Halliburton. So even if someone's gone on Tyrese and, and a centaur, they're still probably beating me in assists at this point. And I'm probably worse off in rebounds and, and blocks and, and things like that. So, that's why I think those are sort of good plays to do. And then in the third round, you, there's probably some good opportunity to get those big guys later on. So depending on what you think you might need, you can go for someone like a Lowry Markin, a Kristaps Porzingis, a Myles Turner. These guys are, are really solid because, again, they're still giving you good scoring. They're giving you some threes, um, each of them. The blocks are strong for every one of them except for Lowry. Uh, the free throw percentage is still pretty solid. I'm still trying to look after that if possible. Maybe uh, I might lean into a punt free throw build later, but at this stage, I don't necessarily have to. I think I can still get some decent players. So I'm looking at players like that in my in my third round guys who can um, you know give me decent value elsewhere. And at this stage, I'm still looking somewhat healthy. And, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. has had his injuries in the past. Kristaps Porzingis has been a bit more injury prone. So, but if I can get a Lowry and a Miles Turner at this stage, if I went down the Donovan Mitchell path. Maybe I'm trying to look for, you know, more of that shot blocker. So, maybe a Miles Turner elevates a bit more in value in that situation. Um, Yeah, so I guess it depends on those sort of things. But these are some really good options moving forward. And then, if we go down to the fourth round, so somewhere around in the sort of high 20s, early 30s in this situation you might be able to land someone like a Nicholas Claxton if you've missed blocks the first few. There's blocks actually this year available throughout the draft in a fair few different spots, so I wouldn't stress too much about trying to squeeze in your blocks there. If you wanted a wing kind of player, you could look at someone like um, O.G. Ananobi as a good guy um, to give you some of those steals, to give you some more rebounds, but from a a guard-eligible player, you could look at someone potentially like... Even if we went down a little bit further, like a Carl Anthony Towns or someone like a Mikael Bridges might be a really good example. Again, just giving me solid across-the-board stats. Jalen Brown, again, a really good scorer if I want to lock in that scoring early because I know I'm going to be getting a lot of centers later. A lot of those centers that are available later might be guys that I'm looking to grab, but they don't score a lot of points. So, to prepare for that, I want to go after players who score lots. So a player like a Jalen Brown is actually really valuable in this type of a build. If I went Donovan and um, Steph Curry early, I can kind of absorb his subpar free throw percentage. Um, So he might be someone that I really want to look at here. Or then you can start looking at some of your other big guys. So someone like a Walker Kessler, someone like uh, we, we talked about Nicholas Claxton earlier, a Bam even because you don't have to worry about the threat of him losing some assists later on. Um, You know, some of those guys you can definitely start to have a look at. I probably wouldn't go for a Brook Lopez just yet, uh, but later in the draft you can identify these guys. Rudy Gobert, uh, Evan Mobley, all these players that traditionally will get a really nice boost to their uh, stats in this type of a build. So that's kind of how I would see an ideal kind of starting point for a punt assist Uh, build starting off. You notice there are a lot of the situations I've actually targeted a few guards early on because there are still a few players in that top 25 that give me some assists, but not quite to an elite level for their position and then I can really target my bigs later. I think that that's probably a better way of going about it than targeting you know, and going to a punt assist with a and Embiid. Maybe if you were with an Anthony Davis, it's probably a little bit more of a, a better situation, but you might want to pair him with like a Donovan Mitchell in the second round. So you get that guy who comes in and helps with your scoring, your threes and your free throw percentage to offset the lack of that from Anthony Davis. That might be a different situation. Probably puts more priority to get those guards in the second and third rounds. Um, you know, pairing him up with, Anthony Davis and a Jaron Jackson Jr. is amazing for all of those big guy stats, but you might miss some of those elite guards that fit your build a little bit better and kind of will have to settle on some guards that naturally don't provide as much value in those other categories later in the draft, whereas you could maybe pick up a Miles Turner, a Walker Kessler or something like that later in the draft, um, and I think you're probably not missing out on quite as much in that type of a situation. So... Tell me what you think, guys. Let me know what you think about the punt assist guys uh, uh, guide. And are you going to be trying it out this year? I think it's a very strong strategy this year, especially with the abundance of bigs throughout the uh, fantasy draft this year. I think it's a deeper position than we've seen it in years gone past. I think the availability of blocks is a lot better this year than previous years. A lot of these guys are stepping forward and uh, providing some good options, especially even in the mid to late mid-rounds and later in the draft as well. So I think it's a very viable strategy this year. Just remember, still get those guards. Don't load up too much on the big guys and you'll have a good time. Make sure, guys, if you are enjoying these guides, give this video a big thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed to YouTube and over on podcasts. The season guide is dropping very soon. So stay tuned for that and I'll catch you guys next time. Bye.